0: I'd like to ask you to join me over in the book of Philemon. Philemon. Looking at this short book in the New Testament. When Nicholas was Tsar of Russia, at times he would dress up in a lieutenant's uniform and go to the various outposts and do a surprise inspection. On one occasion, he was going to an outpost where one of his boyhood friend's son was serving as a paymaster. Well, this young man had a gambling problem. And as he was serving there, and as his losses were mounting from his gambling, he would steal from the government money to pay his debts. Now, he had gotten notice that on the next day, an inspector was coming to examine the books. So the young man had gone and brought out the debit books and put them on his desk and examined how much money was in the safe. And he realized that over time, he had taken much more than he had imagined. And he knew that when this was discovered the next day that he would be arrested and he would bring disgrace to himself, to his family, and to his extended family, and especially he would bring disgrace to his father, who was a friend of the czars. So the young man examining things decided there was only one way out of this. And that was he would take his own life. He wrote on the ledger, a great debt who can pay. He was seeking for courage to take his life. He had taken his service revolver and put it on the desk. And then he had gotten into his desk and uh, gotten a bottle of vodka and began drinking, thinking that he would get some liquid courage to be able to take his life. But as he drank and drank, eventually he drank himself into a drunken stupor and fell asleep with his head down on the desk. As Nicholas arrived at the outpost that evening, he noticed a light shining from a room, and because it was so late, he decided he would go and inspect. He walked into the room and saw the young man sound asleep at the desk. He walked behind him and he saw the ledger, and the story became clear to Nicholas of what was going on. He saw the words that the man had written, a great debt, who can pay? And he recognized the young man as the son of his friend. Nicholas was infuriated. He took the pen, and he wrote one word, Beneath the words, a great debt, who can pay? I wonder, as we look at the book of Philemon here this morning, I wonder if some of the thoughts that were in that young man's mind were also in the mind of Onesimus as he returns to Philemon. See, the book of Philemon is about three main characters, and we will look at those three main characters this morning in order to understand this book. But Onesimus has been a slave of Philemon's. He stole from Philemon, and then he ran away, an offense that in Rome was punishable by death. And now he's coming back to Philemon, probably carrying this letter with him. You see, in those days, they didn't have the postal service like we have today. And I know our postal service has been in the mail or has been in the news a whole lot here recently, Uh, but the postal service of that day was not very reliable uh, because basically, you either use the military to carry the mail, or you had a friend that was going somewhere who would carry the mail for you, or you would pay someone who said they were going to another town that they would carry the mail. So it's all, it's pretty sure that Philemon is receiving this letter from Onesimus who has come back to him and how unbelievable it must have been for Philemon to see this slave who had harmed him financially to now be returning to him. Let's look at the book. It begins with Paul, Paul. I don't think we need to go any further than there. Paul, obviously, is one of the main characters in this book. Now, most of us know who the Apostle Paul is. Paul, formerly known as Saul, who was a great persecutor of the church, has become perhaps the greatest proponent of the church. An enemy of God whose life was changed is now spreading the gospel around the world. In this occasion, though, we are at the end of Paul's life. He is in prison in Rome. He has hopes of getting out of prison. And we don't know. Scholars are divided over the dates of his first and second imprisonment. And whether this is his first or second imprisonment, we're not sure. But we do know that Paul is writing this letter from jail. And Paul says, speaking of himself, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. He's a prisoner for Jesus. Now, he's a prisoner in Rome, but the reason he is in jail is because he has proclaimed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, he considers himself a prisoner for Christ Jesus. And Timothy, our brother. This is the only mention of Timothy in the book. Uh, Timothy must be with Paul at this point. And I imagine because Timothy is used in the introduction of the letter to Philemon that Paul has run this letter by him. That what Paul is proposing in this letter Timothy is aware of and Timothy is in agreement with. You know, sometimes that's a very good idea for us. It helps at times that before we send a letter out, especially if it's dealing with a critical matter of some type, that we have someone else look at our letter and look at what we are sending. Uh, That helps sometimes in taking sharp edges out of the letter. It helps sometimes in helping us refine the words that we are writing. Uh, This is something I try to make a practice of, having somebody else look at letters that I'm going to to send out because they see things that I don't see. Uh, My wife often sees all kinds of things that I don't see in the letter and Uh, she will sometimes say you need to change this and you need to change uh, this. The the worst of that was when I was in college and writing my papers. See, I hate writing. And so when a professor gave me an assignment that I needed a thousand-page paper, I would write a sentence and count the words so that when I got to a thousand, I knew it was time to quit. So I would have my thousand word paper and my, I would ask her to please edit it for me. Well, she would edit it. My thousand words would go down to about 700. This is a run on. This is a run on. You've already said that. You've already said that. Well, this is a little different. Timothy, his companion in ministry, is agreeing with this letter as it is being sent out. Two Philemon, here's our second major character in the story. Philemon, and notice what Paul says about Philemon. Our beloved fellow worker. Philemon is a fellow worker with the Apostle Paul. And Aphia, our sister, most think that Aphia is Philemon's wife. So he's addressing the letter to Philemon, but also to his wife and Archippus, our fellow soldier. Most scholars view Archippus as being the son of Philemon and uh, Aphia, and the church in your house. So the church is meeting in the home of Philemon. This Indicates to us that Philemon is probably a wealthy man, that the church is gathered in his home. And this is an example of a house church that is meeting in the early days of Christianity. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. At a typical opening by Paul grace and peace be to you. Verse 4, I thank God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love, right? Paul's writing about Philemon, and he speaks of Philemon. He says this about Philemon, I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints, Philemon, I'm hearing about your work of faith. I'm hearing about your work. And I'm hearing about how you've done that toward Jesus, our Savior, and how you've done that toward all of the saints. And Paul says, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Paul says, Philemon, I am praying for you. That you will have a full work in all that you are doing. And that God will bless you in that work that you are doing. He says, because I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. Paul is saying, I personally have been blessed by your life, Philemon. I've been blessed You've brought joy into my life. You've provided comfort for me. Your love I have experienced. You are my brother in the Lord. And he says, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Not only have I personally benefited from it, Philemon, but the saints, other followers of Jesus, they have all benefited from you and from your life. Isn't that a great testimony for Philemon? Wouldn't you like that to be said of you? I would certainly like it to be said of me. Verse 8. Accordingly, or because of all this, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Okay, I'm sure this gets Philemon's attention right here. Paul says, there is something that I'm not afraid to say to you. I am ordering you to do this. I am bold enough to say that to you, Philemon. Yet, he says, for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. See the difference there? I could command you to do this. And I'm certainly not afraid to command you to do this, but I prefer rather than commanding you to do this, to ask you out of the sake of love that you will do what I'm about to ask. Uh, you think finally gets the picture, there's a big ask about to come? He says, "I Paul, an old man." Now Paul recognizes that he is growing older, and I think he is using this as he appeals to Philemon. Uh, remember, I'm old. Uh, you know, as a as a staff, we read through uh, the scriptures on Tuesday. Mornings When we meet as a staff, we spend an hour, uh, we read a couple chapters from the Scripture, and then we pray together. And recently we were reading through Philemon, and when we came to this part of the passage, I, Paul, an old man, and my whole staff stopped, and they all turned and looked at me. And then they picked up and started reading again. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. Not only am I old Philemon, but I'm locked up here as a prisoner. I, how are you going to refuse the Apostle Paul who is in jail for the gospel and who is nearing the end of his life? I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. Here's our third major character. Onesimus. And notice how Paul describes him. I appeal to you for my child. See, somehow, some way, I'm sure just by accident that God had nothing to do with it, Onesimus, a runaway slave, has come in contact with Paul, a prisoner in Rome. God has a plan, that he is working. And through that contact with Paul, Onesimus has come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And Paul looks at Onesimus as his own child, as one who has come to Christ through his ministry. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus whose father I became in my bonds. Formerly, he was useless to you. There's a play on words here. The word Onesimus means, the name means useful. But Paul says, formerly, this one who is named useful has been useless to you. But now... There's a change that has taken place. Aren't you glad Jesus makes a change? Aren't you glad that Jesus makes a difference in our lives? That when we come to know Jesus Christ, we are not what we used to be. Amen. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old is past. The new has come. I'm thankful for that in my life. And I believe every one of us that knows Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is thankful that Jesus makes a difference. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, on the authority of God's Word and on the testimony of the saints, I say to you, Jesus can make a difference in your life if you will just trust in Him. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Philemon, this one who was useless to you, now will be useful to you. I am sending him back to you, sending my very Paul says, I know he ran away from you. I know he could be put to death for running away from you. But I am sending him to you with my very heart. Verse 13, I, Paul, would have been glad to keep him with me. In order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. Paul said, I I would have been very happy to keep Onesimus with me. And if I had kept him with me, he would have been doing for me what you would have done for me. But, Paul says... I preferred to do nothing without your consent. I could have, but I'm not going to do this without you consenting to that occurring. See, some commentators believe that through that statement, Paul is asking for Philemon to send him back to Paul because obviously Onesimus has been serving Paul while Paul was in jail. He said, In order, he said, I I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. He said, I did this because, look, I don't want to compel you to do this. I don't want to command you to do this, even though I could, even though I am bold enough to do that, I would rather you do it of your own accord out of love. Parents, isn't that what you want to see with your children? You want them to see what they should do without you having to tell them to do it? You know, uh, children, if you're listening to me uh, this morning, your mom and dad shouldn't have to tell you everything that you should be doing. Just do it. Get up in the morning, pick up your room, make your bed, just do it without them having to tell you. Whatever chores that you have to do, just use them. Now, I know that most of the young people just tuned me out for the rest of this message. (laughs) But the same thing is true of us as adults. Instead of having to be compelled to do things, we should do them of our own accord, out of love. But then Paul goes on. He says this, For this perhaps, maybe. Philemon, think about this. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant. As a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Philemon, perhaps this was part of God's plan. Do we have a sovereign God or not? Do we have a God that is in control of all things or not? Perhaps this was part of God's plan that ultimately Onesimus running away from you would result in him being in Rome where he would hear the gospel and he would come to know the Lord as his Savior and then he would come back to you, one who was useless to you, who is now going to be useful for you. And no longer is he coming back merely as a slave in your house. He's coming back as your brother in Christ for all eternity. Jesus changes things. There are no social stratuses with Jesus. We are all equal at the foot of the cross. We are all brothers and sisters at the foot of the cross. So, verse 17, if you consider me your partner, he's already called him a partner. He's already says he's a beloved friend of us. If you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Now, think about that for a moment. Receive Onesimus in the same way that you would receive the Apostle Paul. What do you think happened when Paul came to the home of Philemon? Do you think he sent Paul out to the slave quarters to sleep? Do you think he said to Paul, Do this and do this and do this and do that? Now, how would Paul be received? Oh, we have a good guest room here in the back, Paul. That's where we want you to say. Oh, by, by the way, Onesimus, is there anything special you'd like to have for supper tonight? Uh, we'll be more than happy to prepare for you whatever you would like to eat. And if he were to say something like, man, I, I really... I've heard about those great steaks that you fixed. Could we have steaks tonight for for dinner? Do you think Philemon would have done that for Paul? Receive Onesimus in the same way that you would receive me. If he has wronged you, verse 17... At all. Or owes you anything. And we know that he does. That's why he ran away. And that's why Paul is writing this. Charge that to my account. We've entitled this message, Imputation. Now that's a big theological word for what we're seeing happening here. Where something that is on one person's account is charged to another person's account. And your friend, that's what Jesus did for all of us. We owed for our sin. Jesus put it on his account. He made the transaction at the cross where he paid for our sin and he gave to us his righteousness. If he owes you anything, charge it to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. Now we know in most of his epistles, Paul didn't write them with his own hand. He normally dictated them to someone who would write them. But in this case, Paul is writing this letter in his own handwriting. And he says, I will repay it. But then he says this, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Oh, that's the kicker, isn't it? Philemon, remember, I brought the gospel to you. God used me to preach the gospel to you and through my ministering to you, you came to know Jesus Christ. He has changed your life and he has given you an eternity with him. Don't forget that. (laughs) If you're wondering whether you should forgive Onesimus, remember Remember what God has done for you through the ministry that I've had with you. And then he says this, yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Yeah, I'm asking this. My ministry to you, I don't do it to receive benefit but it would not be nice to receive some benefit from you for the ministry I've had for you. Refresh my heart in Christ. I want to hear about what you have done, Philemon, and it will refresh my heart. Confident of your obedience... I'm asking out of love. I could command you. I haven't command you. But I am confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Let that sink in. I know your character, Philemon. And I know what I've asked for you. But you're going to do even more than I've asked you to do. At the same time. While you're doing this, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Paul says, I'm in jail now, but I'm hopeful through the prayers of the saints that I'm going to be released. And Philemon, I'm coming to see you. I'm confident that you're going to do what I've asked you to, but I want you to know... Don't forget, if I get released from jail, and you're praying for me to get released from jail, when I get released, I'm headed to see you. Oh, what a beautiful book, as the Apostle Paul gives to us, this picture of imputation. Written on the ledger, a great debt. Who can pay? As the Tsar read those words and contemplated the situation, he took a pen. And he wrote one word beneath those words, a great debt who can pay. In the morning, the young man was awakened as the bugle sounded and the troops were assembling. He reached for his revolver. And as he reached for his revolver, he noticed that there was something written on the paper, one word, the word that was written, was Nicholas. And beneath it, he saw the impression of a signet ring. And next to the ledger was a pouch with the exact amount of money needed to pay the debt, the young man was free. Jesus went to the cross and he paid the exact amount that was needed that we could be saved. A great debt, who can pay? The king of glory can pay our debt. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have saved us. Oh, Lord, what a great debt we owed. But you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for our sin. Help us that we might serve you with all that we are to your glory. For this we pray in the name of Jesus, amen.